Hello, and welcome to the Burning Coal Theater's podcast series, Into the Fire, with Jerome Davis. Hi, I'm Jerome Davis. I'm the Artistic Director of Burning Coal Theater Company, and I'd like to welcome everyone to Into the Fire, the Burning Coal Theater Company podcast series on all things theatrical. Today we have someone with us who I think kind of sort of fits the bill there. David Henderson. Welcome, David. Thanks, Jerry. It's my pleasure to have you here. It's good it's, to be here. We've uh, we've been wanting to have you on for a while. Thank David, uh, for those uh, listeners who don't know, not only was in Burning Cold's first play um, 21 years ago, was in our entire first season 21 years ago, and I think is the only actor that can lay claim to that uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. mantle yeah, or whatever is. we'll say and David uh, David now runs Honest Pint which is a, a theater here in Raleigh that's been around now for three years four, four years, years I think we're four years now yeah so uh, David I know your your season runs at Honest Pint a little bit differently mm-hmm. than uh, than some of the other companies in town your season basically starts in April, April probably yeah. so you have a season coming up we do um, yeah and um, Susanna Huff who's the co-artistic director with me and I, I couldn't couldn't get through the day without her most days uh, she and I are in the process of planning that season so tomorrow believe it or not we're having auditions because several of the shows that we have in mind for the season we wanted to find the actors for we wanted to open it up find some new actors mm-hmm. uh, and then Closing the season, we do know in January of 2019, we're going to do The Herd by Rory Kinnear. Oh, nice. That's going to be our season closer. Yeah. Uh, we uh, are currently uh, in, in the process of planning uh, Gloria by Brendan Jacob Jenkins uh-huh. uh, and The Legend of Georgia McBride by uh, Matthew Lopez and The um, Absolute Brightness of Leonard Pelkey. Uh, by James Lacine. So I don't know when they will occur uh, in the season uh, because of space. That's our biggest yeah. issue, as, as you as you know, and we knew 21 years ago. Yeah. Space in this area is a is a primo thing, and it's hard as a nomadic company to get on on people's schedules. Mm-hmm. So those are the shows that we're we are considering. And hopefully we'll find uh, some of the actors for Gloria is a, a great show. Um, I'm actually, it's actually on my bedside table right now. It's a great I play. I got to act through Act One, and I won't mention anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly, because it, it you don't expect some of what happens in that show. And I love the, the cast, but it is a younger cast, mm-hmm. and finding some of those younger actors is not hard, but we want to we want to find the right ones, so that's why we're going to... One of the uh, one of the interesting things about that script is is how very um, text heavy it is. I mean, the, they really need to. It's it's like a like an Aaron Sorkin yeah. script or something like that. It's very uh, ver, uh, verbally dexterous. dexterous. Yep, that's uh, yeah. yeah. Susanna said the same thing. Susanna was the one. Uh, Susanna reads is a voracious reader and of plays and and always goes, hey, read this and, yeah. and I'll read it and go, yeah, I love it. And she goes, I knew you would, you know, because, <laughs> but but she 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 had been looking at that show for a while and um, it was a very difficult show to get the rights to, believe it or not. It took six months for them to agree to give us the rights because there had, it was placed on restriction for no, like we applied. And they wrote me a letter and said, it's been restricted nationwide. Mm-hmm. And I was, and you know, you call them and they won't give you any information or they'll tell you, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, we just, it is. And then 
I reapplied, and they gave it. They, you know, yeah. they said, yeah. That happened uh, with us, with King Charles III. We had written six months before and gotten a cursory no. And then uh, uh, I just, when we lost Amadeus, we had the rights to Amadeus, and they pulled them. Uh, ostensibly to do a national tour of a production mm-hmm. with an unknown lead actor and 30-piece orchestra <laughs> on stage, and I'm not in, entirely convinced that's really going to happen. But uh, but when that happened, I just, off the top of my head, I said, well, let's go back and see if Charles is available, and it was. So, Good. Yeah. Yeah, so that one's coming. Um, David, uh, the, uh, the the Herd is uh, is an interesting piece, uh, Rory Kinnear is an actor yep. uh, and uh, d- is not uh, known as a writer. Uh, tell me about the herd a little bit. Well, the the, the thing that it appeals to me is uh, the family dynamic, the humanity of the characters in the herd, uh, and dealing with and the implications of a um, of a member of the family having a disability and yeah. what what weight that puts on a family. The young, the young, I say the son in in the family, uh, Andy, I believe is his name. Uh, you never meet him, mm-hmm. but he is in uh, the in care uh, in a in a home, if you will, and uh, you see the effects of his care, what it had on the marriage, mm-hmm. that uh, a marriage that fell apart, how it affects the grandparents. So I think what I love about the herd is is just that is how that humanity happens in one room, and I, I love sets that take place that take place in one room. Yeah. You know, it's like thank you, but but this um, I think the roles that really appeal to me in the show are the, are the grandparents, mm-hmm. is the the role of the patriarch, which John Mahoney, God rest his soul, actually played Play, yeah. uh, when, when it when it was here, and um, and and it, I Susanna gave it to me. To read, she had had it on our shelf for a while, yeah. and uh, we were trying to find a show, and we were both reading scripts left and right, and you know we were reading scripts that we couldn't get, get. Um, uh, Girl from North Country, you know, I, I I poured through that thing twice in one day. Is that incredible? It's or not? amazing, and, and I and I went, I want to do this play, yeah. and the, you know, you, you, it's never going to happen right now because it's you know. So she coming went. To, it's definitely coming to uh, yeah. New York. Uh, I'm not sure where uh, yet. Uh. And she she had this on her shelf, the herd, and she she sent me uh, sent me the copy of yeah. it, and I read it, and I went, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's right in our. It, it, it's a show that I like to think is in our wheelhouse, um, and is funny, but it's also very poignant, and I, I think that's good too. I think I want to do shows where we laugh a little bit because we've done a lot where the laughter is yeah. not as. Prevalent, it sounds so. like uh, it sounds like it has a multi generational cast too. It yeah, it's something we don't get all that often. In right. The the, the the grandparents are you know in their seventies, yeah. and and you know finding actors that are in their seventies around here is is harder right. than than you'd think. Um, and then it's got the two younger, you know, thirties, and then and then the mom and the the dad. But so yeah, it is. It is uh, multi generational. Burning Coal is uh, is doing our London tour that we do every other year this coming April, and the first play on the itinerary is the Scottish play, mm-hmm. uh, and Kinnear is uh, is oh, playing the the king nice. at, uh, with Anne Marie Duff. Yeah, oh uh, nice Duffy Duff, Anne Marie Duffy, I think's her name. Um, two uh, you know sort of stalwart but rising stars mm-hmm. in the in the British theater theater world. So. 
So if I see him, I'll, I'll tell him you said hi. Yeah, please do. Uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah. He's, he's probably on my list of people to write a letter to and say, hey, we're doing your play. Because that was a play, surprisingly enough, when, when we applied for the rights, Suzanne and I said, let's do it. And uh, we had a space. And uh, I, I literally filled out the application, submitted it, and within two minutes... Yeah. It said, congratulations, your rights have been approved. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like one of those. And like the other ones, you go round and round and round yeah. for months Waiting. going, yeah. we're, we can do this. I tr- Trust me, we won't, you know, yeah. we won't embarrass you. I think, uh, I think some playwrights um, insist, you know, I remember that they said that uh, Shepard was, uh, uh, basically, he, he would let anyone do his plays mm-hmm. anytime. You mm-hmm. know? Um, Charles Mee has that... Uh, huh. A reputation as well. Uh, in fact, me uh, uh, publishes his online and uh, basically says, "Go do whatever you want with oh, this. You can great. change it. You can yeah. cut it. You know." So he's uh, he's a, a sort of a, a outlier in that in that regard. But uh, but I wonder if maybe the playwright just has a particular philosophy yeah. about that. So. Yeah. David, you're directing uh, in that uh, season. Um, I, yes, I probably will. I, uh, right now, I, I'm leaning towards directing the herd. Believe uh-huh. it or not, yeah. um, uh, and then Susanna will direct uh, a show or two in the season, nice. uh, and the rest remains to be seen. You know, yeah. you know, it's kind of that's the, that the challenge right now is for us, and I've said it again, is, is, is determining space, is that yeah. it's kind of the, do- the tail wagging the dog scenario, like, yeah. the, like a show we want to do, we can't do in the space we have, you know, so it's like, okay, we have to find a show that fits the space fits we, that's yeah. available, yeah. because I don't want to do a show in a space that it's not right for, and Susanna and I, we talk about that all the time, is that there are certain shows that we can't do in really really small spaces mm-hmm. because they needs you need some distance your, and then your uncut hamlet uh, yeah, exactly exactly work in a 40 seat no uh, uh, it would not have and peace is a great space and they have been it is great. unbelievably kind yeah. uh, to us Wade Newhouse is uh, just a superhuman being yeah. and there's a, there's some shows that we we could do there Gloria is a prime example of a show that has to there's there's there are aspects of that show that I don't know that the audience would want to be right on top of, <laughs> um, and, and I think that we've got to to figure out a way um, to find the right spaces yeah. for those. So uh, so uh, tell me, uh, speaking of spaces, uh, what's your take on the the loss uh, in the last um, decade or so of of all of I think there's seven or eight uh, theaters in our state all of whom had venues, mm-hmm. uh, starting with Charlotte Rep. And yeah. then now, this year, we're losing Man Bites. Um, Deep Dish is gone. Uh, Common Ground is gone in this area. REP had their had a space yeah. before they, they were uh, forced to close. And so, um, what is your take on that? Why is that happening when in other parts of the country, uh, D.C., Philadelphia, for instance, uh, it, the exact opposite seems to be yeah, happening. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I, and and I think about it. I think about it all the time because it seems so logical to me that a city or a municipality would say, "We've got this artistic community, which we have a very vibrant artistic community in the Triangle," yeah. and and say, "We've got these empty buildings. Why don't we?" offer tax breaks to the people that own the buildings if they occupy them with arts groups mm-hmm. so that an arts group can come in and pay a, a reduced lease and the, the, the landlord gets, you know, because there are empty buildings everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I think that people, 
it's not that they get in over their heads, but but you do. You find a you find a level of success, and all of a sudden the economy does something. And we are now competing with Netflix, and we're competing with you know sporting events and everything. And people's entertainment dollar doesn't go quite as far, and they're they're not coming to the theater. So I think we have a we have a job to evangelize for ourselves about what we do and to get audiences in. And that audience that we need to get in is the audience that's you know my ten year old who's sitting out in the lobby there. We need him to start loving to go. Go to the theater yeah. so that you can sustain it because you know common ground was a was a great space um, but you had to, it was a hike to get there and um, you know man bites it, that's a huge loss. I remember seeing shows the first season Man Bites ever existed. Well, you, you performed in the very first show yeah, there yeah, with us. Yeah, uh, that's true. In that in that space, that's yeah. true. And and you know to see them go, but then to see them take what they're doing and parlay it into a trust is great. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I really wish um, that the cities would get behind some kind mm. of, um, I won't say community space because then it becomes who's going to run it and all this other stuff, but, yeah. but finding a way to allow arts groups access to buildings mm -hmm. that they don't have access to now. And I think in cities like D.C. and, and um, the places you named, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if you're, if you're not seeing a large um, government or city involvement in encouraging that. I yeah. think we're, we spend all our time now trying to woo Amazon. Right. You know, which is great. They'd be great if they come here. But the people that Amazon brings here, you know, and the people that are moving here from other places, they want great sports, great theater, great arts mm -hmm. or things. And, and I'm worried that the, the, the few that exist, I mean, you've got to be tenacious. I mean, hell, 21 years of burning coal is phenomenal uh, considering the climate that we've been in for, for that period of time, right? You've managed to do something that very few theater companies were able to do, and that's and 10 years ago, almost to the, to the day, we opened um, this building, uh, and a month later, the bottom fell out of the economy. Uh, yeah. Greg and I were talking on the podcast last week that if we had uh, delayed that opening even a couple of months, there's no way the, that SunTrust would have given us that loan right. that we had to have in order to, to, to finish the project. Um, and this uh, building would not have opened, uh, and it might not have opened for another five or six years. Right, and we would be robbed of five or six years of this kind of, of theater in a really intimate, you know, visceral space. Yeah. And, and I think that a lot of people are scared to pursue space because it involves loans, it involves yeah. things like that, and it involves landlords. I mean, that's yeah. that's the other thing too is that a lot of a lot of places uh, get into it. And have you watched the movie The Founder? No, okay. I know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so the, Ray Kroc. It's it's a fascinating movie. But, but the point of it was, he wasn't in the fast food business. He was in the real estate business. Right. Like, he'd say, you could get the franchise, but he owned your land. Yeah. And I think in theater, it's the same way, is that you get a space, but you don't, if you don't own it, or it's not yours with some unbelievably long-term lease, right. you're at the whim of the landlord. Like Interact, which we've used many times, uh, there, there's a great location, great little strip mall, mm -hmm. but you know every couple of years, 
they have to go back and negotiate a lease, and at any moment, yeah. a great clips could go in there, yeah. and they'd be out. So why would they put, the question would be, why would you put a lot of money in your infrastructure? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to put, you know, $50,000 worth of lights in the in Not the to air. mention bringing audiences into that strip mall for, for now a decade or more. Yeah, and, and, and the, the strip mall, I remember when I first went there many, 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 many years ago, there wasn't Gonza. There wasn't all the stuff that's there now. And Sola's there, all this stuff is there and the and the theater had been has been there for 25 mm -hmm. years so they're benefiting uh, they've helped bring people yeah. there but everybody's benefiting from everybody but they are at the whim of a landlord and i don't you know i don't know what happened with charlotte rep but you know those kind of things scare me yeah. They scare me because I would, I mean, you, somebody says, would you like to have a, a space? Of course. Well, in NC Shakespeare, too, they, they had a similar uh, arrangement, I think, uh, with a municipality. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's troubling. And, and um, the, the most troubling part is that none of those spaces have been replaced uh, in that time. Uh, triad, uh, you know, is the only, Triad mm -hmm. and Burning Coal Space are the only um, significant spaces uh, that have opened during that time that I that I'm aware of. Yeah, Taylor May, you know, theaters. And when you look at what Triad did too, same yeah. same kind of thing. I mean, went to the city and, and, and made a fairly bold pitch. Yeah, and uh, and they accepted, and they've 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 been successful, yeah. uh, just like Burning Coal. And um, I, I think. It, there's, you know, the joke, it's called show business, it ain't called show art. Yeah. I think you do have to look at theater as a business and how do we, how do we get butts in seats? How do we create uh, an audience base that is going to be loyal and keep coming so we can produce the shows that might not be the biggest money makers, but people will come and see? Because a lot of times... Um, we just we only want to do those shows, and mm. the audience just doesn't come, and you and you're yeah. broke, yeah. you know. Right, right, and then you, and then it's a downward spiral uh, from that point on. Um, we uh, uh, are gonna, if you don't mind, David, shift gears okay, just shift. for a little bit. Uh, speaking of uh, upward growth, uh, 21 years ago, when uh, when Burning Coal opened uh, with uh, Rat in the Skull yes. by Ron Hutchinson, we played to. Um, a, a, an enthusiastic audience of thirteen. Yes, I don't know that if you is. Yeah, that. I remember that. And uh, and Simi and I have always used that as the benchmark against which we measure all Success. future audiences. Yeah, exactly. So we consider Burning Coal to be on a constantly upward uh, trajectory <laughs> yeah. in terms yeah. of our audience. But uh, what, do you remember much about that that first season? And like, what what was it like? Because I, you know, I was an outsider and I didn't know anybody here. And when 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 we showed up, what? What did it feel like in the community? I, I, exciting. I think it was there was an excitement in in it because uh, you know not only were artists going to get paid, which I think is extremely important, but but there was a new voice in 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 that was different than the voices that have been around for a long time, mm -hmm. and I think that. Um, it was nice to be part of something new and ex and and exciting and and being led by somebody who was looking ahead, looking forward. I think the danger in theater is, or in anything, is that you become complacent with where you currently are, mm -hmm. and therefore you don't try to move forward. And no. I think, if anything, I've seen from from you and during that first season, especially, was you knew where you were headed, 
and it might take 10 years to get there, but you were headed on that. You, you knew what you wanted from a, uh, a production quality standpoint, from a, from a direct, you know, the directors you brought in, the actors you were using, you were, you were choosing to get an A team together to create an A team product that would put you on a trajectory towards yeah. where you are now. And I think that is something that's important to me. And that's the thing uh, when, when I started Honest Pint, that was, I, I thought about you a lot is the idea that I want to work with the people that I want to work with. I want to work with people that I love, mm -hmm. first off, because theater's family, but you also want to work with, with people that are going to bring their A game mm -hmm. into the room, whether it be a designer, a stage manager, or anything, mm -hmm. because that's going to make that product better. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what that first season was like. I mean, Rat in the Skull was a, was a hoot, you know? Yeah. And the, other, the guy who runs uh, University Theater now, um, Andrew, we were there the other day, and we were talking to him, and I said, yeah, the last time I'd been in the Black Box Theater, I was in the Black Box, the last time I was in here was you know, 21 years ago when we did, and he says, was it Burning Cole's first show, Rat in the Skull? And I said, yeah, he goes, I saw that. It's what made me want to do this. And I went, okay. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's that, and I think that that's the power right. of theater, and I think that's what that first season was like, was we're doing stuff that is going to change people. And, and you know, that sounds all blah, 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 but I think we were doing stuff that was different. I mean, Rat right. in the Skull, nobody had heard that. Like, what, no. what the hell does that mean, you know? Hardly since, either. I mean, no, this yeah, has not been done. No, and, and, and you know, uh, Love's Labor's Lost, come on. Yeah. The first ones to use, to really use St. Mary's in the way yeah. in the way we used it. And Pitman, yeah. yeah, and it was the first, you know, in that I met Randy and, 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 mm -hmm. and Rebecca, and, and all of that was really, and then, where did we do uh, um, uh, Pentecost? In a gym. An unair-conditioned gym. An unair-conditioned gym. And in I'll, June. June. And then, and, and you know, what What was the first line that uh, Leo had? And, uh, so this is it? And then somebody vomited off the back. I mean, it was like, it was the, but you couldn't ask for anything better than that. Uh, but that that's that season, right? That was that season yeah. was all about... Uh, that grass, I won't say grassroots, but it was. It was like, let's put on a show, but let's put on a great show wherever we can. You know, I, when you look at what happened in that first season, n neither none of the shows were in the same place. Right. They were all very different spaces. Mm -hmm. um, one of them, a found space that had to be turned into a theater. Mm -hmm. One that was a theater that I felt like, you know, if you turn the lights on, the building was going to, you know, Pittman, because it was so old. <laughs> and then uh, the black box at NC State, which was great, but very wasn't being used. Right. So in, in one season, you were, you were not only finding new plays, but you were, you were finding new spaces. New spaces, yeah. You know, and I think that's Just important. Add, uh, I would add the, uh, the Kennedy, uh, which was uh, when we used it for the first time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was uh, essentially a rehearsal hall slash storage room. Yeah. And, and now is very active with uh, Theater Rollins yeah. uh, stuff. And I imagine some other people are using that, that venue as well. Yeah, I mean, wasn't the first time we, was it Einstein's Dreams was the first one we did in there? I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, the floor was brown. You were in that. Yeah. So that's 
So. Yeah. And and that was a, a light brown. <laughs> light brown. It was light. Yeah, it was light brown. Even when we did Steward of Christendom, that was a that was in there, and it was still had the mirrors on the wall. And the walls were like white and. Do you remember um, the grid, uh, uh, which was not intended as a light grid? It was just an architectural feature of the room. Was twenty six feet in yes. the air, and yeah. the genie lift that we would go up on. To uh, there were no electricals, so we had to run a single strands of cable for each light. Yep. 3,000 feet of cable we had to run for each show. And we had to do it and push that genie all the way to the very top. You'd hear it start grinding. It was teetering, it man. That's just, yeah. That's I remember. I, and, you know, but but then, I mean, we did a lot of shit. We did Romeo and Juliet in there, too. Yeah, the first time. Yeah, yeah the first time. Yeah. Yeah, lots of lots of things. Company. Uh, yeah, company you, we did in there. Yeah. Played, uh, yeah. Did that in a wheelchair. The second and third week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. What's so funny, because yesterday I had two cortisone shots, one in each knee. Oh, no. Yeah, I've been running. And, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> it was great until five, day, five, five days into this training program, my knees, I went, oh, they're not going mm. to do it. So. And do we know what, what's causing that? Tendonitis. Okay. Yeah, they x-rayed him and did all the good stuff. They go, yeah, you don't have arthritis. And I went, good, thank you. So that's, so that's repairable? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. Gave, they, they, they said it should go away in about five, five days. Okay, yeah. just don't jump for five days. So my b-ball game's on, on hold. <laughs> well, were you doing a lot of jumping? <laughs> no, I, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> I can't post up, man. What well, are you talking about? I figured today would be a good day uh, to have you in for the uh, interview because of the... Um, Oh. Basketball game the other night. Oh, uh, last night's game. Yeah. yeah, I was in rehearsal and got out, and so I didn't watch the game. And I got out and listened to the post the post game press conference, yeah. and it was. I'm 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 very glad that, that they won. Um, yeah. I'm not you know I'm not one of those people like I'm glad Duke lost. I'm just glad Carolina won. Yeah. It's like the Super Bowl. I mean I'm a. Yeah. I don't hate the Patriots. Yeah. I, I like them. But Tom Brady's a great quarterback. I was at a Super Bowl party, and and mm-hmm. so many people. Hate the yeah, they win too, but they're like the Yankees of exactly. Football, but know? but it's but again, you know, come bring that back to theater. I think it's the same way. Is that you reach a mo- you reach a level of success, yeah. and everybody you got a target. Everybody you, you you have a target on you because you're successful. What uh, what do what does the community uh, want, David? The acting community, the theater community. What what do you think the com- you're, you're you know, if, if somebody said, who, who personifies theater in Raleigh, I, I, your name would be the first one to come to, come well, to my you. mind. Um, what, what do the actors and the other theater artists want? That's a great, that's a great question and one I wish I, I had a, a very, very good answer to. And I don't. I think that, I think, let's speak it in broader terms. I think we, I, I think we as a community want an identity, right? I think that... Um, it's, I believe, and I've said for a long time, that Raleigh could be a major player in regional theater. Mm-hmm. And, and I, should, I should say the triangle. I, I live in Raleigh, but, um, so I, I, always, I always think Raleigh focused. But our area, our region, could be a major player in regional theater. And I think actors want that. But the challenge that we face with that is, and... and I've had this conversation with Susanna a lot, is in our country, we say to actors, in order to validate your success, you must go to New York, Chicago, L.A., Texas, some place that is a that is a. I think it's those three. Yeah, I'm not even sure Chicago entirely belongs on that list. You know, and if you go to those places, you're successful. So what happens is we have people like Emily Rainey, who is a unbelievably talented human being, right, and. 
leaves. And, le you know, she leaves Raleigh to pursue her mm -hmm. career mm -hmm. because her career would not thrive here. So we lose her voice. And, and her brain. And her brain. And we lose actors like that on a daily basis to yeah. Atlanta to do film, to LA to do film, mm -hmm. to New York to do theater. And I think what we want or what we need is to get a good, is to create that identity here so that people will come here to work mm -hmm. and live and create. I mean God, where else, what other place in the world than the than the south do we need the voice of artists in this time, in this day and age, people, yeah. people showing, you know, the, 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 uh, the empathy, mm -hmm. you know, helping people see other people, see holding that mirror up to nature so that people can see and hear and learn about the world outside of here because a lot of people don't. You, I don't know if you know this uh, quote, but uh, Bruce Springsteen, um, my man, you know, uh, was uh, talking about rock bands, but mm -hmm. it applies uh, at least as much to theater. He said that uh, that a good one introduces its audience not only to characters that they would never have met, but to communities that they would never have imagined. Yeah, and I think uh, that is the the tip, the personification of of empathy is when you walk through a door into a room and and are asked. Uh, and willingly agree to, to, to enter into that new world uh, and that new relationship. And so, yes, it is, it is critical. And, and it seems like, you know, it's a thing that we just have to keep reminding ourselves over and over again because uh, with every generation, we will have a new um, voice, mm -hmm. a strong voice uh, that stands opposed to that, it seems. Uh, and those people seem to get a lot more traction somehow. So I feel like that the part of the answer is definitely uh, what you're talking about, which is the government subsidy mm -hmm. for the arts, which although it is uh, not to be sneezed at here in, in right. Raleigh, is, right. uh, uh, you know, is, is inadequate and, and needs to be increased significantly if just once the three, three or four or five hundred million dollars being spent on a big um, municipal facility that will largely sit empty for most of the year just once yeah. that money were split up into 10 mm -hmm. um, and uh, granted out uh, to 10 people with vision in the arts think what our downtown area would look like uh, yeah I mean you know that's that's the when you look at cities that have successful arts areas. I mean, there are areas. Yep. I mean, you know, it's not just it's not just theaters. It's restaurants. It's right. it's bars. It's yep. little teeny diners. Cinemas. It's yeah. Cinemas. You know, it's everything. I mean, Mike Rabb and I a couple of years ago toured the uh, old Jillian space, which is now yeah. going to be the market, and. Uh, you know, we, we had this, this grand idea that we wanted to take it and turn it into five black box theaters inside. So we toured it with an architect. We wanted to get some information on it. And, you know, the lease on the building was $20,000 a month yeah. or something crazy like that. And they didn't want to sell the building. And, and you know, we, we, we pursued it a little bit, but then it kind of died mm -hmm. because then they sold, the, they, they did ultimately sell the building. But, but my thought was just that, is if the city looked at that as an opportunity, mm -hmm. you know, to put five theaters or five things in one space, right. 
what what could have happened in that in that area yeah. so much so many you know different people coming in and if it's different companies you've got diverse audiences mingling in the in mm-hmm. the in the lobby and and i yeah. think that you know if you to go back to what we want in in this community i would never deign to to speak for the entire community but i do think identity is a big part of that mm-hmm. it's like we we would like to be recognized i would like this area to be recognized as a as a place that does great theater because then that leads to more um, i think that space you know like what you were just talking about space is also important is where do we go to create Um, you know you've got a great space here so people can come and create in this space the nomadic companies it's found space Mm -hmm. and sometimes those spaces aren't as conducive to creativity as you'd like them to be or they're available for one week instead of three weeks exactly and and it becomes it's not cost effective you know like we could get a week at somewhere but you know, to rehearse a show like we want to rehearse a show and do a show like we want to do a show, right. I don't want to do a high school length run. You know, you remember how you do? You'd rehearse for four months in high school and you do one <laughs> weekend only, yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah. You know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But I, so I think those are those are two things that I think we really need in this area, and and I think we're moving there. You know, but it's slow. It's glacial. Mm-hmm. I agree. You I know? agree. Um, David, uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention two uh, things that you have on the boiler right now. You have a, a fundraising event happening this week. Or? Tomorrow night, we're—it's our home brew series, and we are really focused on in this series North Carolina voices. We want to—we want to showcase North Carolina artists uh, of any kind that uh, and give them a platform to come in, kind of a, a, a low-pressure situation, and share uh, their work. Uh, John Allure, uh who did the night alive with us is going to share his story about it's called bad dream house about his uh, buying a house in Carborough that became the center of a murder investigation and uh, and then the future ones we have uh, some tentative uh, things one of them is uh, a new musical that uh, pieces from a new musical that might uh, might be uh, shared and then the world premiere of a of a play called risk which is about the murder of the three muslim students at at UNC several years ago, written by a guy that I grew up with. His twin brother was the Tin Man when I was the mayor of the Munchkins for the first time at five years old. <laughs> I think I've so, heard that story. Yeah, so he, uh, so he, so those are some of the things. But yeah, that's that's tomorrow night, and we we really want to. Um, and, and give us the date. Oh, February, uh, it is February tenth. February tenth. Saturday. Uh, Saturday, 10th. February tenth, and we, um, we it's free. It's free admission. Uh, we will have... Uh, what kind of fundraiser is that? Exactly. Uh, it's a fundraiser. Um, no, we, it, it is free, but we also have... Uh, we will have beer and stuff for people to purchase. And, yeah. and, uh, and this it, is at Emerge? Is this right? this one is at Sonorous. Sonorous Road, Road. yeah. Okay, Michelle's been really great to let us use the space. Yeah, so. speaking of new spaces, we've, we neglected to We did neglect that, that. Yeah, yeah. She's doing wonderful things. She's doing great things. Again, uh, you know, and she just bend, bends over backwards, I think, to help everybody that she can, but, but she has a season to program herself, yeah. so it's hard to find... If you're programming to pay your rent, it's hard to find de- uh, slots, slots yeah, to yeah. fit people in. Yeah, that's right. And then the last thing I wanted to mention is you're um, directing uh, Assassins uh, now. Is that correct? That is correct. We opened February 22nd, I think, at Theater in the Park. We, uh, we're we several weeks into rehearsal. We have two weeks left, and, and we're, in, we're in a good place. We had a run-through last night, and... Uh, 
it, it was good. I was proud of them. It's a hard show. Oh yeah, well Sondheim. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's it's hard, and it's. It, I, was, I was telling Alex this before. The structure of it is is interesting too. It's it's a vaudeville, you know. It's like a, a comedy, a song, and then a comedy act, a song, and a right. comedy act. Right. And right. It's finding that and helping audiences understand that the show itself is not saying, hey, go out and kill a president. Right. Sondheim's premise in the show is everybody has the right to be happy, to pursue happiness. You don't have the, I'm not guaranteeing you the right to be happy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's what the assassins say at the end is, you know, you can, you can have the sun, but maybe not the sun, maybe one of its beams, you know? And, and I think that's fascinating to me yeah. that you spend 90 minutes with these people and you get to understand them and understand what drove them to mm-hmm. do what they did, good or bad, like them or not. It's mm-hmm. a fascinating show. Fascinating show. Very good. Well, David, uh, your work over the years has been uh, exceptional without exception oh, thank um, you. here at Burning Coal and, and throughout this, uh, this community. And, and, uh, and we're delighted to, to have had you here today for the podcast. Thank so you, thank Jerry. You for I appreciate doing it. it. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening, and be sure to check out our production of King Charles III, running from April 12th through April 29th, 2018, at the Murphy School in Raleigh. For more information, visit our website at burningcoal.org.